Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. We've been in a series called, It's Complicated, but the tagline is, it doesn't have to be. And that's the thing about God's Word is that it makes life less complicated. Would you agree with that? It just begins to change things. And so we just want you to understand that, that God's way makes things uh, less complicated. I want you to know that we started this series off, and the first week I talked about sexuality and purity. And so if you missed any of that, because that our culture definitely makes a uh, that a little more complicated, but God's way is, is not complicated at all. So you may want to go back and listen to that. The second week we talked about uh, how that we had to die to self to have a great marriage. And, and so uh, we talked about being less, less selfish. So you can go back and listen to that if you miss it. And then last week we talked about singleness. What is it like to be single? And, and uh, so that was very interesting. So you may want to go back and listen to that. And then next week we start a brand new series called The End Times. And a lot of things are happening. I mean, it's amazing what's happening right now that correlates with the scripture. And so I, I want to break that down for you over the next several weeks. So I, I think you're going to, uh, eyes will be opened and, and be excited. And so we'll talk about that. But before I go into the day's message, I want to tell you a joke that I did not get to tell during, uh, during the marriage message. So do you want to hear it? Okay, because it has nothing to do with today's message, all right? Nothing to do with it. So there was this uh, uh, man and woman who were married, and, you know, they'd been married about 10 years or so. And, and so the conversation come up. He said, honey, he says, uh, will you marry another man if something happens to me? And she's like, well, I really don't want to have that conversation so, because we should probably shouldn't have it. And he said, he said, no, no, I really want to know. She said, well, listen, we're still pretty young. So maybe, yeah, I guess if something happened, you I probably would get married. And he thought about that. He said, well, honey, he said, if you married another guy, would you let him drive my truck? <laughs> and she was like, well, I guess if he didn't have a truck and that one's paid for, I guess I probably would. He said, honey, I got another question. She said, he said, would you let him use my golf clubs? She said, absolutely not. He's left-handed. <laughs> Somebody's going to wake up tonight and go, oh, left-handed, I got that, yes. Today I want to talk to you about a subject that I'm excited about. You know, and usually in church it's one of those, one of those subjects that's like, ugh, but I'm excited I mean, I am very, very excited. And the subject I want to talk to you about today is money. It's money. And what I want to tell you from the very beginning is that I don't want anything from you, okay? Is that I want to tell you that I want to talk to you about money because money is one of those things that can make your relationships work or can defeat your relationships. Amen, everybody? And because, listen, the number one reason that families break up is because of money. The number one reason is because of money. And so we have to talk about it. 
And again, I want to come from you as not from a point of need, but a point of wanting to give you something. That's what I feel like. I want to share something with you that's going to help you. I'm not talking to you about money today because the church needs your money. No, no, no. I'm not coming from that standpoint. But I do feel like that at Stockbridge Community Church that we have a credibility of talking about money. Because you may not know this, but back in 2004, we almost closed the doors to our church because of things were really bad. But, you know, sometimes you have to go through something bad to learn something good. Amen? And so we went through a bad, bad struggle. Man, I've been the pastor here 20, almost 26 years, and we went through a bad struggle. But through that struggle, God, God got us out. He gave us a financial blessing, but more than that, he gave us wisdom. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is learning from your mistakes. Amen, everybody? You know what great wisdom is? Great wisdom is learning from somebody else's mistakes. And so that's why I want to be as transparent as I can about my life, my mistakes, because I want you to learn from them so that you don't have to make the same mistakes. And so we learned, God, God helped us. We began to be a financial peace church. Uh, we've been teaching financial peace for almost 14 years. Every semester, uh, it's available to help you so, so you, can, you can live like no one else, so you can live like no one else. And our church has been, and our church has been a financial peace church. We budget on a cash basis. And so I'm not coming to you today out of need today. I'm coming out of, a, of wanting to share with you some truths about God's, uh, God's word that will help you and help you financially, no matter what state of, of life you're in right now. Amen? And so again, if, if some of you are like, well, it's my first time back to church and I got to hear about money. Well, don't go, oh, no, just listen. That's all I want you to do is just listen. And here's the great news. If you don't agree with anything I have to, I have to say, you don't have to do it. That just, yeah, that's just lower the bar a little bit. If you don't agree with what I say, you don't, you don't say, you know what? I'll come back next week and listen to end times, all right? You're good. So just want to just say right now, it's all right. Here we go. Is that okay, everybody? It's like we just relax. We're, okay. We're not tense. You say money, people, oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. It's not that way today. Billy Graham said this on, coming up on the screen. Look what he says. He says, if a person gets their attitude toward their money straight, it will help straighten out every area of their lives. Yes. Billy Graham said that. Figure that out. And so I want to tell you that Jesus begins to talk, talk about money. It's amazing to me how that when you read the Bible, that out of Jesus, over, over half the teachings of Jesus was about money. In the parables, Jesus taught 38 parables, the stories in the Bible, and 16 of those were, were about money and possessions. 16 of those. He said he spoke more about, about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell combined because he knew that your life would be hell if you didn't get it straightened out. You preach, Pastor. Amen, everybody. I just thought I'd throw that in there, right? Woo! Me and Rhonda have been through some hellacious times, all right? That, that, I meant that in the best kind of way, all right? Just, just, I mean, seriously, I mean, it was like, it was like, ooh, this is hell, you know? And I just want you to know that, that your life gets better when you get your money straightened out. And so, so Jesus did that. Why? The question is, why do he talk so much about it? Because money's spiritual. Now, the dollar bills that you get are not spiritual, but what you do with it is, amen? It controls your life. And so Jesus picks it up. Jesus says this in Matthew 16 and 13. He says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, what in the world is mammon? Where does that come from? 
Well, you know, the Bible, the New Testament is written in Greek, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and so the word mammon could not be translated. It's a, one of those words that is a transliteration, is a theological term for it. It can't be translated. So it's mammon. Mammon actually was a, was a Syrian god that stood for riches. And a lot of people were worshiping that god, trying to think if they worshiped that god, they'd get rich. Also, it come out of Babylon. It was in Babylon, and Babylon means sown in confusion. And what the devil's done today is allowed us to begin to, our, not us, our culture, our world, to look to, the, to riches. And then because we've looked to riches, it's sown our lives in confusion. We've gotten all got confused about money and about our priorities and so forth. Right? As a matter of fact, I would share with you today that we have the spirit of mammon that is among us that says money's king and we'll do anything for money. There was a book written, it was called The Day the America Told the Truth. And in this book, they asked the question, what would you do for $10 million? What would you do? And Americans said this, 25% of Americans said they would abandon their entire family for $10 million, like you don't exist anymore. And then, it, then we found out that 23% of Americans said they would become a prostitute for a week or more for $10 million. Now just think about that. Americans said that 16% of them said they would give up their American citizenship for $10 million. 10% said that they would uh, withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free for $10 million. 7% said they would kill a stranger for $10 million. Hey, you don't need to hit man, just offer me $10 million, I'll take them out. <laughs> That's what it said, $10 million. They would kill somebody. 3% said this. 3% said for $10 million, I'd put my children up for adoption. But some of you say, I'd do that for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all been there, haven't we? But what I'm trying to show you is this, is that really, when it comes to money, we'll do anything. We'll give up our morals. We'll give up our values. We'll give up our family. We'll sell anybody out for money. The world will sell anybody out for money. And it's become the God that, that is ruling. And that's why Jesus said, this is not a new issue. It's been an issue for a long time, since the beginning of time. And that's why there was more teaching on this than anything else about money and possessions. Because it's okay to have money as long as it doesn't have you. Yes. Amen? And so uh, we have to understand. So today I want to talk to you about uncomplicating money. Uncomplicating money. How can we do this? I want to start with this passage of Scripture. It's uh, Genesis 1 and 1. It's the first four words of the Bible. And I think if we can remember this, I think it can change our lives. The first four words of the Bible. Would you say this with me? And let's emphasize God. You ready? Here we go. Let's say it. In the beginning. God. Let's do it again. In the beginning. God. In the beginning. God. You see, whenever you begin to live your life, like by the first four words of the Bible, it changes everything. Like, you know, with us at Stockbridge Community and me, the first 21 days of the new year is God. That's why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting the first part of the year. You know, uh, you're here today, many of you watching online right now, because the first part of your week is God. In the beginning of your week is God. That's why you're here. And then for me personally, every day that I get up, the first, the first part of my day is God. Not all, uh, not all day. I can't, I can't sit around and read the Bible all day. I can't sit around and pray all day. But the first part of my day is God. That's it. And then the first part of my finances is God. 
And so what I want to tell you is when you begin to live everything in the beginning, in the beginning of my day, God, in the beginning of my week, God, in the beginning of my month, God, in the beginning of my year, God, it changes everything. Then you begin to say, well, at the be- in the beginning of my work, it's going to be God. In the beginning of my dating life, it's going to be God. In the beginning of my marriage, it'll be God. Amen. In the beginning of my relationship with my family, it'll be God. In the beginning of my life, it's God. In the beginning, it's God. Every- God begins everything. Amen. In the beginning, God. And when you live life within the beginning, God, it just changes everything about your life. That's right. Definitely need to remember that. In the beginning, my marriage, in the beginning, God, it's going to be God first. And so I would just challenge you today. There's three lies that I want to expose today that the devil and the world will tell you about money. And here it is. Number one is this. Having money will make me more secure, will make me more secure. Look what the Bible says, Proverbs 18 and 11. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Now notice this next part. They what? What's that next word after they? Imagine. imagine. That means they imagine. They think. They think that, but it's not true. They imagine it's an unscalable wall. There is no such thing as being financially secure. What I mean by that is this, is that Steve Jobs you know, the, one of the guys that worked with Apple. Well, Steve Jobs uh, was a very wealthy man, but it, he, he, con- he contracted pancreatic cancer stage four. And when he found out, he said, had I known that I wasn't going to live any longer than I have, I would have done things different in my life. And I would have done things. I would have treated my money a lot better because I thought that because I had a lot of money, I'd be secure. And what he found out that his life was cut short. And so, so what I'm trying to tell you is that, is that if money could save anybody, it would have saved Steve Jobs' life, but he, money could not save his life, amen? So there's no security in money, amen? That's why the Bible says, listen, don't look to your bank account, look to your heavenly account, amen? <laughs> look to God, amen? He's the only one that can take care of your life. I remember when my brother, I remember going into the hospital with him. He'd been in the hospital a week. They were trying to find out what was going on with him. And I went into his room that night, and, and I remember him turning around looking at me and said, Jeff, it's not good. I said, what is it? He said, I have stage four pancreatic cancer. And he said, they say that it's, I'm going to die. And he said, but Jeff, I want to tell you something. He said, I've already looked up. This is the same kind that Steve Jobs had. He said, his money couldn't save him, so I'm going to look to God to save me. And I want you to know that my brother's still alive. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Every day, we, every day we praise God. Why? Because what money couldn't do, God can do. And I just want to tell you that there's no security. Listen, matter of fact, everything could be gone tomorrow. Don't you understand? The dollar could be dead tomorrow. And if it does, guess what? When the dollar dies, God is still alive. Oh, man. Wow. You weren't expecting this good of preaching talking about money, were you? Look at the next verse. says, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the what? The what's that first word? Love, love, love. God said, just don't fall in love with it. You got to have it to eat, amen? Just don't fall in love with it, right? Because if you start, you'll start cheating on your spouse with money. Oh, you'll start cheating your spouse. You'll start cheating your boyfriend and girlfriend. You'll start cheating God. You'll cheat everybody if you fall in love with money, Amen. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because who has said? God God has said. What did God say? Never will I what? Cheat. 
never will I leave you. That's not what old George says in your back pocket, is it? He's like, whoo, let me fly away. Okay, there we go. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my what? I will not be afraid. Be afraid. What can man do to me? I just want to stop right here because I feel like that there's a spirit of fear that we got to talk about. I have never in all of my time of living seen so much anxiety, depression, and fear that's overwhelming people. Now, let me just talk to you just a second. Listen, we have come through a traumatic time. I mean, this pandemic has been tough on everybody. But there comes a time where you got to say, listen, I am not going to be held prisoner by fear anymore. That, listen, I understand that all that's going on and we got to be smart and we got to be wise. But there comes a time where you say, I am not going to live in this fear anymore. That I'm going to get up every day. I'm going to do the best I can. But I'm going to trust God because he's got my future in, my hand, in his hand. Amen. And I'm not going to be afraid. The Lord is my helper. I'm not going to be afraid. If my life is called for me tomorrow, I'll be in his presence, and that's okay. But I am not going to live in this fear. Amen? And our children, listen, our children have been held hostage, and it's causing emotional harm to them, psychological harm to them. And I'm telling you, we got to free our children. We can't teach them that they got to be afraid of every little germ, and they got to be afraid of every little thing. No, they got to live. Amen? Let your children out of the house and let them go get in some dirt. Amen. God made dirt and dirt won't hurt. <laughs> Amen. You see what I'm talking about? We can't keep them in their bedrooms forever. And by the way, you're keeping them in the bedroom confined to a computer? Hello? No, no, no. Get them outside. Let them go. Let them be free. Hallelujah. Oh, I know I'm meddling now. I'm not preaching. Pick a date. Pick a date that you're going to get out. Those of you that are watching, maybe you're still at home. I want to tell you, pick a date you're going to come back to church. Pick a date because you can say, well, I'm, I'm going to come soon. No, no. You've got to say, no, devil, I don't care what happens. I'm going on this day. Pick a date. And matter of fact, the, the greatest Sunday of all is coming around. Easter Sunday will be here on April the 4th. That is a great day. And, and you say, well, I don't want to come to the big crowd. Come to Friday service. Come to Saturday service. And listen, every Sunday is mask only at 12 o'clock. Every Sunday. I want to encourage you that. Number two is this. The second thing is this. The second lie the devil gives us is this. The things I own define who I am. That's what he says. Oh, you're a nobody unless you have something. No, 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 no. Look what the Bible says here. Jesus said this. Be, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you want. It's not measured by how much you own. It just isn't done. It doesn't. God doesn't measure that. The value of a human's life is not about what they own. Matter of fact, it goes on and says in Romans, says, happy are those whose sins are forgiven, whose wrongs are pardoned. Happy is a person who the Lord does not consider guilty. That's who's happy. We should be the happiest people of all, right? Because we're saved. That means that there's nothing. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. The world can't repo what God put on inside of you and me. Amen. Uh, no bill collector can come and get it. Nobody can take it away from us. No, no. Nobody can draft your account. No, God has given you salvation. We should be happy, everybody. Hallelujah. We're saved. My God. You know, talking about that. Uh, let me just go and give you the number, uh, number three. Number three is, my stuff belongs to me. <laughs> That's a lie. 
stuff don't belong to you. Let me tell you this, because we're to be managers or stewards of what God gives us. I have, been, uh, I have been the pastor of this church, as I said, almost 26 years. Before that, I was in student ministry full-time. I have been a part of a lot of funerals. I'm talking about hundreds of funerals I've been a part of. I can tell you to this day, not one time have I seen a hearse pulling up to the graveside with a U-Haul. Not one time. Your stuff don't belong to you. You know what? Rhonda had an uncle, a great uncle, okay, it was her grandmother's brother, who was just, I mean, died recently, but he would not, he wouldn't give a dime. He wouldn't spend a dime. He wouldn't do nothing. His poor wife begged, let's, let's, let's replace the floor in our house. Had holes in the floor. No, no, no. And saved up thousands of dollars. And the man finally died. He died. I want you to know, two weeks later, his son was riding on a $50,000 Harley Davidson. That man saved all that money all his life, wouldn't do anything, wouldn't go on vacation. And two weeks after he's dead, his son is living high on the hog. <laughs> what I want to tell you is that, listen, it's not yours. You don't get to take it with you. Do your giving while you living so you'll be knowing where it's going. Amen. Don't, don't, I get, so I got news for my kids. I, listen, my goal is leave this world with the last check going out of my account. Yeah. I'm not going to leave them all this money to go out and do all that stuff with. No, no, no. We want to do our giving now. I want to lay up treasures in heaven. That poor man was lived like a pulper all his life. And for what? He died and his son got it. He said, woohoo, let's go party. Gee, Louise. Look what the Bible says. First Chronicles, King David, remember David and Goliath? Well, he grew up to be a king, and here's what he says. Wealth and honor come from you, and you are the ruler of all things, and your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. David said it comes from you, that we're managers, we're stewards of what God gives us. And listen, what he's given me personally, that I'm to manage that. And what he's given you, you're to manage that. You're to be a steward of it. And listen, I, man, I live in a, a holy fear I mean, a, a healthy, holy fear of God because I know that, you know, I'm responsible for all of this. I mean, like, you know, and the, much is given, much is required. Amen. And I know that more than that, that I'm going to stand before God for what I say to you. Do you understand? Everything I say to you, I'm going to stand before God. It, that keeps me up some nights. Because I'm, I'm accountable for your marriages and for your children, for what we teach them. I'm accountable for that. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. And it's a holy fear that I have that God, I, I want to do it right. I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful pastor Jeff. I want to hear him say that. I don't want to mislead you anyway at all. I never, ever want or take advantage of you. Never, ever, ever, ever. I don't want to ever be that way. Because it ain't about what I'm going to get caught doing. It's about what I'm going to stand before him for what I've done. Amen? <clears throat> no. No, no, no. It ain't about getting caught. It's about God's on you all the time. And see, I'm, I understand that. And, and see, you as well. We don't understand. We're going to give an account for what God's put in your possessions. Every possession that God's given you, you're going to say, okay, God, did I manage this for your kingdom or not? And so you have to keep that in mind as you live. And, and your life. You know, not just your money, but your life. How did you use your time? And that's what I'm telling you that, listen, that's why we're always pushing you to serve. Because you're going to stand before God. Well, did you do anything for anybody or did you just live life for yourself? 
And see, when you get to heaven, you're going to be rewarded for what you did for other people, not what you did for yourself. And so, you know, I don't know. There's not going to be different levels in heaven, but there's going to be different rewards. You know, there's some of you that, listen, it's going to take, the reason that we have eternity is because it's going to take years for God to give out all your rewards because you just serve all the time. But there's some of you that right now, if we don't change things, it'll be like, you did what? Okay, here you go. Get out of the line. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but if you're part of SEC, it won't be that way because you think we don't, these people don't shut up until you get involved. That's right. Because, listen, it feels good to do good. When you, when you help other people, it feels good. You feel better. You listen, the greatest thing you can do if you're depressed or you have anxiety is get out and help other people. Start serving other people and watch how you'll get better. Your life will get better. You'll feel better about life. And you'll feel like a million bucks when you serve other people. Amen? And that's why we talk about growth track. Oh, you get tired of hearing about growth track. Well, listen, my friend, we're going to keep talking about it. Because growth track helps you get your life on track. And I will never, I'm going to stand before God. I ain't going to stand before you at the end. I'm going to stand before God. And so I want to help you. And so listen, you have an opportunity coming up starting next Sunday to get on track with growth track. It starts all over next Sunday. We got about 30 to 40 people that's going through it. It's going to be a great, it's going to be the wave. You will love it. Matter of fact, last year, we set a goal of, you know, we set a goal of 200. It's amazing. Last year, we probably had about 30 or 40 people because of the pandemic. And our highest years probably had about 100 people go through it a year. And this year, you know, just in, in March, because you're you like, you're excited about what God's doing, that we've got a, about a third of that already going through. And, and so get on the wave, amen. Take your connection card. Sign up. Say, I'll do it. Sir, serve on Serve Saturday. Why don't you come out and serve? If you're in a small group, go get your group to go do something. Serve people and watch how God blesses you. Amen, everybody. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's say this on, uh, it's coming up on the screen. Remember we said Genesis one and one. Let's say you ready in the beginning. Let's say it again in the beginning. God, that's right. In the beginning, God, in the beginning, in the beginning of my marriage, God, in the beginning of my dating, God, in the beginning of my finances, God, in the beginning of my job, God, in the beginning of all of my life is God. You know, what would change on your job tomorrow if you got up first thing in the morning and on your way to work, you said, God, in the beginning, God, I'm going to start this job with you today. Well, how would your, how would school change if you said, okay, in the beginning, God, whether you're online or in person, amen? amen. In the beginning, God, it changes everything changes everything. Okay. So the number one financial principle I want to teach you today, again, this is something that I've learned and it's something the scripture teaches and there's no pressure on you. And that is tithing. The number one financial principle is tithing. Leviticus 27 and 30 says this, one tenth of all you produce belongs to the Lord and must be set apart as holy. Again, this is something that Rhonda and I have done all of our married life. And let me just be transparent. Just because we've been tithers doesn't mean that we haven't been through financial hardships. I just want to, if you tithe, it doesn't mean that everything's going to go your way the rest of your life. It just doesn't mean that. It means that you'll be tested. And I can tell you this, the great thing is that we're still standing here. Amen? Is that, that means that God got us through what we went through. Did you see that? So, you know, when you got God, it's right. Yeah, you tithe and there, it doesn't mean that sometimes you, things don't happen. They do happen. But God has brought us through every one of those. And that's, listen, it's great when you can go to God and stood your father-in-law. <laughs> Hallelujah. As a tither, isn't that wonderful? Oh, I'll get to that just in a second. Here we go. Malachi, let's just go right to Malachi. 
Malachi 3, look what it says, verse 7. He says, you have turned away from my decrees and have, uh, have not kept them. Return to me. And what did God say? I will return to you. That's it. God says, you turn to, return to me, says the Lord Almighty. But ask, how do we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offering. What does that mean? Tithe is 10%. And that means that, you know, when, whatever, you, uh, whatever you income you get, you bring 10% to God. You give it to God. Where do you give it? You give it to whatever church you go to. Wherever you worship God at, that's where you should bring it to. Now, you're giving it to God through a church, all right? Remember, uh, it's just money that passes through. Now, an offering is above that. Like when someone says, okay, you owe me $10. Well, you give them that $10. Well, you really didn't give them anything. But you said, now, listen, I want to give you above. I want to do this for you above that. I know you didn't ask for it, but I want to do it for you. And that's what an offering is. And that's why God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Someone says, I want to do above. And that's what we talk about missions around here, missions offers. And matter of fact, everything that you see around here, like this building expanding all, it's because of people's offerings. The tithes help run the church, but it's the offerings that's, that's expanded this, expanded missions. That's what happens with that all right he goes on and says this yet you're under a curse the whole nation of you because you're robbing God now remember God didn't put them under curse it's what they were not doing that did that and then he goes on bring the whole tithe to the storehouse that again that's where wherever you worship God that's, that's called the storehouse and he said that there may be food in my house God says if you make sure there's food in my house I'll make sure there's food in your house amen let me say that again. God says, if you make sure there's food in my house, I'll make sure there's food in your house. Now, this is what excites me right here. He says, test me in this. God says, put him to the test. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, that's what excites me about coming to you today. Again, I don't want anything from you. And listen, again, right now, if you're saying, oh, I'm feeling tension, you don't have to because you don't have to do anything with it. You don't, you don't have to do anything. It's like, okay, if you don't, if this isn't for you, it's like, this isn't for me. But if it's for you, you want to get her God's blessings, then man, I'd say dive in. It's awesome because God says, test me. There's been people that I've witnessed to that did not believe in God. And I would say, listen, there's only one way I know to prove that God exists. And they say, how is that? I say, try tithing. I say, give 10% of your income to God for a period of about 90 days and watch what God does. And you know what? There's been a lot of people that were non-believers that started doing this, that God blessed them. They said, I know there's a God because there's no way this could happen. It's the only way the Bible says to prove that there's a God. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now look at verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruits, says the Lord Almighty. You know what he's saying? He said, I'm going to keep your washing machine running a little bit longer. Amen. Listen, your car's not going to break down as much as everybody else's. You know, those years your kids don't have to go to the doctor as much as everybody else's. It's amazing because it's God's favor over your life. It's not just your money, but it's what he's prevented from coming your way. Isn't that awesome, everybody? Listen, you're never going to know what God's protected you from until you get to heaven. He said, I'm going to prevent the devourer from coming. The last verse is this. Then all nations will call you what? They'll call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. That, he says everybody in your cul-de-sac is going to say something going on in that house. Something's going to look how, look how good things are going around their house because God has blessed that. God will take care of it. Now, again, on the screen, let's say it one more time because you've got to remember this. Let's say it. You ready? 
In the beginning, God. let's say it again. In the beginning, God. Remember that, in the beginning, God. Number, Deuteronomy 14 and 23 says this. He says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God what? First. first. Put God first in your life. Remember, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Now, I want to do something right here that freaks a lot of people out. I mean, just freaks them out. They think there's no way a church could do this. We're going to do it. Is that I have been, you know, Rhonda and I are tithers. And and again, right now, there's no pressure at all. But I would, if I didn't give you an opportunity to get into God's blessing, then I would do you, I would just not be doing you, uh, I'll be doing you a disservice. So what I want to tell you, if you'd like to try tithing on the back of your program right here, we have something called the Tithe Challenge. What is that? That means we say, listen, we know that everybody is a little bit fearful of this because it sounds crazy bringing 10% of your tithe to God's house. It's like, you can't afford it, right? And I would say, you're right. You can't afford it until you do it. Once you do it, you start affording it. It's amazing what God does. But that can be fearful. So I will do anything to get you to trust God. And that's what tithing is, is faith. I do, I'll do anything for that. And so we have this 90-day tithe challenge. It means this. You try it for 90 days. You, you bring your tithe to God's house. You give it, every, you know, electronically, whatever, as long as we have a record of it. At the end of the 90 days, if you say pastor, or you don't even have to say pastor. You just say, this, is, this didn't work for me. Uh, it's not working out for me. I didn't get a blessing. You know what? You say, it didn't work. Guess what? All you do is you call our office. You don't even have to talk to me. You call Miss Tawny Keller here, and she will, she will cut you a check for everything you've given for those 90 days. Isn't that awesome? You get your tithe back. You get it back. It's like, okay, no questions asked. We're not saying, well, now you sure about that? No, 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 no. You just say, hey, listen, this hasn't worked out for me, you know, and I really just, uh, I need to get my check back. And you just say it to her. You, you don't have to say it to me. You don't have to look, talk to me. Just say it to her. She'll write your check back. 100% of what you gave. How about that? Why would I do that? I've been doing that for 24 years. You know why? Because I'll do anything to get you to take a step of faith with God. There's no, and there's a lady that had come back to our church. She'd been out through the pandemic. And the reason I'm doing this today is because of her. She come back, she was in our third service and she said, Pastor, I just want to say thank you. I said, what is it? She said, you know, I'm just, today's my first time back. I said, I know. She said, but you taught me something a year ago and you did, you made it, you did a tithe challenge and I'd always been scared to do it, but I did it. And she said, I want you to know that God has blessed me this year like I've never been blessed. And I just want to say that you know, I'm going to do it from now on. Thank you. She said, thank you for teaching me that and get me to take that step. That's the only reason I'm telling you today. And so if that's you on the back of your connection card, just check the box. I want to take the 90-day tithe challenge. We ain't going to call you. We're not going to say, well, you did this. No, we're just going to pray for you. That's it. That's it. Why? Because I'll do anything to let you get under God's blessings. See, I just think it's unfair for me to get blessed by God and not share with you that. And let me tell you something. I know there's a lot of, a lot of pastors that won't talk about money and, and there's a lot of broke people in their churches. <laughs> if you're going to get under God's blessings, you've got to talk about money, right? And so I want to tell you, I, again, no pressure at all. You say, well, you know, I'm feeling attention. Don't feel attention. Just come back next week. We'll talk about the end times. It'll be fun, you know. Don't feel any attention right now. And then there's another box there. It says, I want to give in missions. I begin sitting and go, some of you are great tithers. Thank you so much. That's how our church operates. You're so good. 
But you, want, you know, maybe you want to step it up and start giving in missions. Remember, we don't give to get. We give to give. Every time, this is what Rhonda and I live by. You know, we set giving goals, and we set a giving goal this year for missions. We're going to tithe. There's no doubt about that. But our giving goal for missions, we set that goal. And you know what? Every, when God gives to us, we give to, we give to his kingdom. We, we, live, we, we give to give. We give to God. God gives to us. We give back to God by giving it to people and watching watch what God will do. Isn't that awesome, everybody? Amen. Aren't you glad that we got a good God? Amen. So today we're getting ready to sing this song that just simply says, I will. I'm going to give God praise no matter what. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. You made me excited talking about money today. This is awesome, everybody, because God's got so many blessings for you. And some of you sitting in this room are going to come to me like a, a year from now, maybe six months from now, and say, Pastor, I did it. And this is what God's done. I believe it. Would you stand with me? Let's pray, everybody. Heavenly Father, today we come to you. Lord, we know the enemy uses a tool of money over our heads. He makes us think that we're not going to have enough and that they're not going to be enough. And he tries to get us to live a scarcity mindset. He tries to tell us, oh Lord, that there's only a small pie. And if we give away a part of that pie, we're not going to have enough. But God, you say you're the pie maker. <laughs> you give us all the pies that we need and we'll just learn to trust you, oh God. And that's what we're going to do is we're going to trust you with our lives, oh God. And we ask today, Holy Spirit, that you will sweep across this auditorium and you'll sweep across the Lord, the internet where people are watching right now. And Lord, that you will just give them a spirit of confidence, oh God, that it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, oh God, that we trust and we believe, oh Lord, that you're the maker of heaven and earth oh God that you've got our lives in your hands oh Lord and Lord that you're the provider of all things oh God and we just trust you today and Lord we go into a world that doesn't trust you but we shine our light showing them that we do trust you and we thank you in Jesus name we pray amen amen everybody hi this is pastor Jeff again I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message if you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.